Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
Is it over? Did we... Did we do it? I believe so. He... Uh, it appears to be... contained. Thank Christ. We've never... We've never encountered one so challenging before. You worthless fucking maggots! I'm gonna tear each of you apart slowly. But before that, I'll find your families and make you watch as I do things to them that are forbidden even in hell! I'm afraid you won't be doing any of that, demon. You're trapped. Oh, you have no idea what I'm capable What? What What have you done? You loathsome flashbags! What the fuck have you done? Don't blame us, for we're just following orders. Blame you. And here he is, all boxed up in flesh and bone. Except, you won't be able to leave this one. Not unless the One Church allows it. Who the fuck are you? I'm the man who captured you. You thought you were causing chaos, killing without consequence. Little did you know, you were merely following the trail of breadcrumbs I laid out for you. I anticipated your moves before you knew you'd made them. A creature as old as you, manipulated by a mere human. How humbling that must be. Then it's you I'll start with. I'll fucking feast on your... You'll do no such thing, creature. You'll be confined in this body until you're transferred to another. Then another. And another. You're grounded, I'm afraid. What's our next move with this, uh... Demon. Demon? Oh, no, 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 no. This entity is far more than that. This one's special. A horror from an era before the stars were lit, and unfathomable creatures waged wars. Uh, what do you mean? Never mind that. Inform the One Church that they may handle him as they see fit. He'll cause no more trouble. You arrogant fucking shit! I won't be confined to this husk as if it's a prison! I believe that's exactly what you'll do, for the time being at least. And I'll let you in on another little secret. I know what you are, and what you're running from. Isn't that right, Hesperius? You insignificant fucking worm! I'll kill you, your family, everyone you know! I'll decorate the cosmos with your entrails, boil them in the fiery lakes of Ashron! Give me your name, coward! Tell me the name of the man who wishes to suffer like no man before him! With pleasure, creature. The name's Barnabas. Barnabas Muffet. Waking up in a fit of rage, Wesley felt his body seething as if he were about to erupt like a volcano. He felt feverish, his blood boiling just beneath the skin. Looking at his hands, he saw that they were massive and clawed, black as the deepest night. However, they quickly shrank back to their normal size, returning to the harmless hands of a humble biologist. After collecting himself, the anger gradually subsiding, he wiped his sweat-soaked body with a towel. Then he decided to have a conversation. So now I understand. 
Now I know why you're so fixated on Moffat. It was a Moffat who imprisoned you. Even did it with a shit-eating grin. You weren't captured intentionally. That was all a fucking lie. Moffat manipulated you like a puppet and you can't stomach the thought. Isn't that correct? Hesperius. Wesley's head jerked abruptly, assaulted by intense pain. It was as if something was pushing against his skull, as though his brain was attempting to break free of its bony prison. The agony was unparalleled. He clamped his hands over his mouth to stifle a scream, yet the pain persisted. It was how he imagined a lobotomy would feel if the brain had pain receptors. He could feel himself starting to slip away, unconsciousness looming. Things went dark and he found himself in pure blackness, oblivion. Then there were eyes, dozens of them, consuming the dark with a reddish-yellow glow. He could hear the movement of something colossal, tentacles of unimaginable size writhing around him like serpents. A behemoth entity loomed before him, its vastness occupying the breadth of space. He felt something coil around him and squeeze, followed by the sensation of being hoisted. He was drawn towards the multitude of radiant orbs he knew to be eyes, and he attempted to scream. But fear had stolen his voice, just as it had swiped the confidence he possessed only moments ago. Then came the voice. What was it you were saying, little Wesley? I grow weary of your petulance, tired of your fucking little simian brain going places it's not wanted. I may be trapped in here, little Wesley, but I am not impotent. I could crush your mind, turn you into a fucking vegetable, but I'd rather not. You've seen what I can do, and I'm growing very close to smearing your friends across this whole fucking continent. Once this is all said and done, Wesley, you'll wish you'd never been born. This, I promise. Wesley awoke for a second time, a fresh layer of sweat covering him, this time born of fear. His head throbbed, as though it had just been squeezed in a vice. He tried to clear his thoughts, but goosebumps peppered his skin as he remembered what he had seen and felt in the darkness. Hastily dressing, he exited his tent. It was as though he emerged from one nightmare to enter another. Those peculiar entities, the Umbarian, the voice had named them, were milling about, those bizarre tubers connecting them all. They maintained a humanoid form to pacify Wesley and his companions. However, the resemblance was eerie. All the features and characteristics were in the right place, but there was something off about it. It wasn't their height, it was an imperceptible flaw as though they were wearing impeccably tailored human costumes, yet deep down one could sense it was a ruse. The one who seemed to be their leader approached him. I trust you slept comfortably. Before Wesley could respond, another one interjected. Who cares how it slept? It is an insignificant creature, undeserving of our hospitality. A retort came from another entity somewhere behind it. Would you be quiet? We don't know how they'll react to your rudeness. They could possess abilities we're not aware of. The primary Umbarian grasped at its head, seeming confused or frustrated. Enough! They are our guests, and now partners. 
We will not treat them as our inferiors. Standing in awkward silence, Wesley wasn't sure whether to respond to the entity or just keep quiet. Choosing the former, he replied, I slept fine. Thank you. That is good to hear. You can join your companions over there. They seem to be preparing to leave. But how will we navigate? We're unfamiliar with these caverns. These beings are helpless. How can we depend on them if they can't even navigate simple caves? Lower your voice or they might refuse to help. Ignoring the dissent, the main and Barian spoke. Worry not. We will guide and protect you on your journey out. Wesley nodded in appreciation at the strange creature, feeling an urge to get away from its erratic presence. He made his way towards his friends who were busily packing up their gear. Can we really trust these, uh, entities? They seem... unstable. Certainly not. But as we've discussed before, what other choice do we have? And, uh, well, you know, one unpredictable ally is better than none. Well, unless they decide to kill you. Yeah, there's that. But I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So I say let's give this creep show a chance, you know? It's peculiar. I know quite a bit about Arthos, and I've never heard of such a creature. Not through any descriptions I've heard anyway. Although Athos is a diverse world, I don't claim to be an expert on it. Have you ever been to Athos? Not personally, none, but um, I do have acquaintances who have been there. One of them spends a lot of time on Kosis, one of the continents. Intriguing. Perhaps, but Athos also has its share of problems. A darkness looms there as well. May I suggest we focus on the issues of this world before we concern ourselves with another's? It's a fair point. Are we set to go, River? River nodded in affirmation and moved to the front of the group. Wesley turned around to see the Umbarian entity right behind him. Uh, I guess we're ready to move. Lead the way. Certainly. At that moment, all of the humanoid figures came together into one amorphous mass, resuming its largely transparent aesthetic, its insides on full display. It extended tendril-like appendages and elevated its mass into a large cavity in the cave ceiling. The entity's vastness was audible, shifting and moving all around them. Wesley realized they had been interacting with only a fragment of this entity, merely the tip of a dark, amorphous iceberg. This way. The entity's voice echoed from the left tunnel. The group proceeded, surrounded by abandoned structures, relics of a past civilization. Wesley recalled the Umbarian's claim of dominance over these caverns. He wondered if during its 16 years of isolation, it had exterminated any and all life that had once inhabited these ruins. Occasionally, the gargantuan creature, or creatures, Wesley wasn't sure which, would command them to halt. In those moments, the echoing wails of the centipede-like creatures, along with other unfamiliar and unnerving sounds, would reach their ears. Wesley found himself relieved not to have met the sources of those other sounds. However, he couldn't shake the eerie curiosity surrounding the absence of carcasses after each encounter. He couldn't fathom that the creature was mindful enough to tidy up after its kills. So what was happening to the remains? Wesley dismissed this troubling thought, his mind having already absorbed enough horrors for the day, and resumed his journey through the stone labyrinth. 
They had been trudging for hours without any indication of an exit. Anxiety gnawed at Wesley, the possibility that the Umbarian was leading them into a trap looming in his mind. But why the theatrics? The creature could have easily annihilated them at their first encounter. No, the idea of a trap didn't seem plausible. So untrusting, little Wesley. The creature is surely keeping information from you. But it does not intend to kill you and your friends. Yet. Oh, we're talking now? I was under the impression that you had grown weary of my primate brain wandering where it's unwanted. I do as I wish. If I desire to communicate with you, I will. If I choose to reduce your brain to a mushy pulp, I'll do that too. Something tells me there's a good reason you don't do that. I don't think you can operate without me, or else you would have done it a long time ago. Perhaps, perhaps not. But I do know that I can operate without your dear friends. After all, it's not their head I'm trapped in. Although, I'd be more than happy to show you the contents of their skull. So you admit it. You are trapped. You fucking lied about being purposely caught. I suppose you got me, little Wesley. You caught me in a fib. <laughs> but revelation is a two-sided blade, and... Oh, are you in for some doozies? <laughs> and when you finally realize the harrowing thing that is your life, I'll bask in the knowledge that you're powerless to change anything. For I am forever, Wesley. I'll outlive you in that roiling ball of fire in the sky. Yeah, and when should I expect these so-called revelations? Oh, you'll know it when it comes. <laughs> you won't be able to miss it. Memory Lane is going to be a bumpy trip for you, Wesley Morgan. <laughs> the malicious jibes of the voice filled Wesley with an icy dread. A fear that chilled his blood as if swept by an arctic wind. As the nights passed, he was haunted by increasing dreams, memories from the abhorrent entity Hesperius. He was nearly trembling with apprehension. The sinister smile of Hesperius, like a Cheshire cat's grin, seemed to beam in the pitch-black recesses of his mind. Wesley made an effort to banish these disturbing thoughts, his sole coping mechanism for the impending dreadful epiphany. He focused on the journey instead, the ghostly stone cities that had likely fallen to the ravages of this Umbarian creature. After a few more hours, a dim glimmer of light began to seep in from afar. They were nearing the end of the caverns. Suddenly, the alien entity that had been guiding them voiced out. At the end of this tunnel is your terminus. From there, follow the tales of smoke eating the sky. Those are the dread pits of Daia. You will need to traverse them to get to Destra. And, uh, what exactly should we expect at these, uh, dread pits? For fuck's sake, I wish I could understand what they're talking about. All I hear is a mashup of fucking syllables. The dread pits, if navigated properly, shouldn't be a concern. And if not navigated properly? Then you will need to fight for your lives. The things that dwell there are thought to be the spawn of Amara, the prince's daughter. While her kingdom lies to the west, she has situated her children to the east, mostly for geopolitical reasons. The main one being to keep an eye on the Belphine and occasionally lessen their numbers. But as we've said, traversal should be uneventful if you follow our directions. Uh, okay. I hope the hell you're right. We will be in touch. Good luck. 
With that, Wesley could hear a colossal shifting of weight deep within the cavern, stalactites trembling precariously above them. The quaking eventually subsided and their alien guide departed. The group continued down the tunnel until they emerged from the cave's mouth. Upon exiting the eerie, subterranean world, they were greeted by the familiar sounds of rain and thunder. However, the ground was blanketed with mist, a shroud of ethereal fog that rolled across the landscape like tumbleweeds. So, which way do we go? Wesley looked around. The darkened sky cluttered with thunderheads, and the swirling gloom masking the ground made it challenging to determine specifics. Between flashes of lightning, he spotted pillars of smoke reaching into the clouds, resembling gigantic gray pylons holding the sky aloft. That way, we need to head towards the rising smoke. That's where the dread pits of Dair are. Ah, splendid name. Can't they name anything pleasant around here, like, uh, you know, Happy Hollow or Pleasant Grove? I guess to name something nice, there have to be nice things to name. I get a feeling that this land, uh, Gion is lacking in that department. Yeah, that's a good point. There are a few hours of daylight left. We should make the most of them and head in that direction. Upon Riva's silent nod, the signal for the others to follow suit, the group began their trek eastward. A smoky haze engulfed their lower bodies as they treaded through the mist. Occasionally, they heard rustling of tall grass as creatures skittered away, though some seemed to trail them. It was a slow meandering, a methodical skirting of their personal space that felt not only deliberate, but predatory. Rivov was the first to notice, his gaze trying to penetrate the misty curtains for any sign of life. However, whenever he paused, the rustling ceased, as if the stalking creatures sensed his suspicions. This carried on for several hours until Moffat voiced his exhaustion. <sighs> I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm exhausted. I say we make camp over there, by those rocks and trees over there. We still have about 30 minutes of light. Can you push yourself a little more? Regrettably, I can't, dear fellow. Hiking has never been the Moffat's forte. Somewhat reluctantly, Vorn and River conceded, and the group began setting up camp. The long walk had indeed taken its toll on them, prompting most to retreat to their tents early, fatigued from the challenging journey. Given the unsettling sounds they had heard earlier, Riva assumed first watch, wary of the unknown entities that may have been trailing them. Wesley, on the other hand, unrolled his sleeping bag and crawled in, his fear of nightmares momentarily keeping him awake. However, in this instance, weariness overpowered fear, and sleep claimed him. Wesley jolted upright suddenly, the chorus of nocturnal creatures chirping and howling in the distance providing a haunting score. He was glad of it. It would make what he was about to do more pleasurable. He slowly unzipped his tent, the tiny metallic teeth quietly detaching from each other like the unclasping maw of an alligator. His eyes pierced the darkness more intensely than any other creatures, he believed, even those native to this continent. He noticed that Riva had withdrawn to his tent, replaced by a slumbering Salvatore. The man seemed to be inviting his own demise. Wesley would be happy to oblige him, but his focus was on different prey. He slipped from his tent with a practiced grace, and then flipped out his pocket knife with a preternatural dexterity, slowly making his way through the night like a nocturnal shark swimming through ebon waters. 
He passed the tents of other prey, but his appetite was singular and ancient. He crept slowly towards the last tent, a swath of moonlight showing him the way like it was destined, ordained. He would keep his word from all those years ago. The Moffat would suffer like no man before him. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at maltopia.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 